started learning about play, talking to different trainers, consuming some more content, purchasing some videos, I felt like, oh my gosh, this could be the missing link for your confidence, like making these things a game. This is the With a Dog Podcast, a podcast for the modern dog parent. I'm your host, Carly, and every Wednesday I bring on pet professionals or some fellow dog parents, and we laugh, learn, and commiserate about everything from the confusing vet visits to dog park etiquette to the 2 a.m. potty breaks. Essentially, life with a dog. Hello, everyone. Happy With a Dog Wednesday. I hope you are all doing well. A little life update on my end. Um, my dog, Albus, got into the bathroom trash. So you can imagine what was in there. It didn't look like he ate anything. He just, it looked like he just kind of like tore everything up. And then he barfed up some stuff the following morning. And so we woke up to the like four, it was like 4.30 a.m. dog heaving, like, huh. A sound, you, you know it, you know it. And <laughs> then he passed some other stuff that he ate. So I talked to the vet. It seems like he's, I mean, he's behaving fine. Otherwise, we've just been monitoring the situation. And so that's my life with a dog update for you this week. Um, otherwise, it is officially cold here in Seattle, which I'm like of two minds about. Part of me is really excited about all this rain and like the fall vibes. But the other part of me is like, oh, crap, I need to figure out how to exercise the dogs when none of us like including them, like being cold. So that's where I'm at with everything. Little life update for you. But let's talk about this week's episode. As you know, if you listened to last week's episode, we've been making some changes to the podcast, and this episode is the first one of some of those changes. So I polled you guys, you know, over the last few months, and you said, many of you said you wanted longer episodes, and you wanted more like dog parent chat type of episodes. So I'm aiming for about hour long episodes now, and I've changed the format of the interview to be more of a back and forth sharing of experiences between me and my dog parent guest. Some episodes, like next week's, where I am bringing on a pet insurance company, will still be a little bit more of like a formal interview. But this week's episode is super fun conversation with a fellow dog mom talking about cooperative play and building a trusting relationship with your dog. So let's get into it. Our guest today is Haley and Scout. Haley is a 24-year-old writer turned obsessive dog nerd, and her dog Scout is a four-year-old stray healer who has turned girl's best friend. Together, they've navigated dog reactivity, apartment life, a big move from Wisconsin to Florida, and countless ups and downs in between. On her blog and Instagram called Pause and Reflect, Haley writes about her experiences in the hopes that their blunders and realizations can encourage and help other human dog duos in their life with a dog. So Haley, welcome to the With a Dog podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, I'm so happy you're here. And just to kick it off, if you could briefly introduce yourself and your dog to the listeners. Yeah, my name is Haley Young, and my dog is named Scout. Her official name is Scout Finch from To Kill a Mockingbird, but that's a little lengthy, so usually <laughs> it's usually it's Scouto because that is much easier to shout in a recall situation. We love the two <laughs> syllables. I am 24. I work as a copywriter at a digital marketing agency. I was born and raised in Wisconsin, went to college at UW-Madison, worked in Madison for a little while, um, and then my fiancé got a job in Florida that he couldn't turn down. So Scout and I moved down here with him, and she went from being a Wisconsin dog who was a stray up in the northern part of the state. Now she hangs out on the beach, and I'm pretty sure she's sunbathing out on the deck right now. So (laughs) (laughs) Good for her. I feel like that's the dream. Like That's like everyone's dream is like... Oh, move somewhere from cold to like really warm and just sunbathe and <laughs> live your best life. <laughs> uh, truly, truly. I'm super homesick right now because it's supposed to be fall. It is October 1st and it is, you know, like it's 85 not and humid yeah. here. 
I will not see any leaves change. Um, but you know, the, the sun is worth it. There's all sorts of pros. <laughs> yeah, no, that's actually a really good point. I was talking to my grandma yesterday, and she lives in Florida. And you know, I was like, yeah, it's like 60 here. It's starting to get a little chillier. And she's like, oh, Lord, child, like it's it is 79 right now. And that's cold or something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, oh, like that's, that's <laughs> I didn't think about that. Yeah. Like you don't have the, the seasons as much. Yeah. Very interesting. I still insist yeah. on getting hot coffees, though. So I just sit there on the patio and I actually sweat, but it's fine. You know, we're just rolling with it. <laughs> <laughs> And I sweat. I love that. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, I was wondering if you were always from Florida or not. So, okay. So, Wisconsin to Florida. Um, For all the listeners, I have instituted some new questions right at the beginning of the episodes, a little bit more about our guests. So, we're going to do a little quick fire round to kick off the interview here, Haley. What are you watching, reading, streaming right now? I am reading Through the Language Glass, which is a super semantic-y, nuanced book about how, not how language affects how we think necessarily, um, but how language can affect how we perceive others um, and how, you know, just how important semantics are. It's something I'm really passionate about, especially in the Instagram space. Um, that sounds really pretentious. I'm also no. re-watching How I Met Your Mother. So, like, we have a balance here. <laughs> no that's actually so awesome i was wondering if you were doing it it, like for copywriting reasons like is it kind of for work or is it just because like are you reading that just because you're kind of interested in it so sean and i like to do what we call two-person book club which sounds ridiculous but is really fun where we will pick a book and we'll take turns reading it out loud together and then just talk about it and this was a book that we had picked to do that i think like last summer or last fall um, and sometimes we just don't make them, we, we just don't make it through. Sometimes mm-hmm. if there's a book that's longer or just like isn't conducive to being read out loud, or if one of us yeah. isn't as interested, we might just throw in the towel and move on. Um, Sean is weirdly good about that. I've never met anyone who is so comfortable quitting something. Like I will finish a bad show, <laughs> even if I don't like the show, because like yes. I have to finish it. He doesn't do that. Yeah. Like he, he can stop in the middle of a season, in the middle of a paragraph. He's just like, this doesn't serve me anymore. I'm done. Um, Is he someone who can <laughs> stop eating something if he's not enjoying yeah. it too? Yeah. Yeah. That's good for him. Good for him. I feel like there's so many <laughs> like food dishes that I'm like, this isn't really good. And yet I like lick the plate clean. <laughs> I'm the same way. Tiny tangent here. Um, but we actually had one of our most adult moments two weekends ago where we ordered this giant milkshake at this patio. It was delicious. And we, we drank like a third of it. We were sharing it and we both just looked at each other and said, I'm not really hungry anymore. Like I kind of don't want to finish it. And we just left it. We, we didn't finish it. And I was like, we are now adults. This is what this means. Yes. <laughs> it's like, you are now old when you're yeah. like, I'm fine with quitting this milkshake. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Anyway, circling That's so back, funny. Um, we started reading through the language glass and we just never really made it through. He wasn't quite as into it as I was. We had a couple other books on the docket. So we just tossed it to the side. But then I rechecked it out from the library because I wanted to peruse it on my own. So just have always been really fascinated by language. One of the like, intro stories is about how we used to think um, that the way that humans evolved color vision was very, very different than it is, in large part due to the fact that groups of people would use different color words for different groups of color. So like, if you think about mm-hmm. what we consider green and what we consider yellow, there's a point on that spectrum where it's right in the middle and one person might say, oh, that's green. One person might say that's yellow. Um, yes. And, and we all, depending on cultures, especially back when we were doing some of this research, that could vary a lot. So long story short, it's just fascinating that we were actually questioning scientifically, like biologically, how color vision evolved simply because of how people were defining the language terms they were using. Yeah. And I think that happens with our dogs all the time, in personal communication all the time. Uh, So I'm not too far into it. I'm honestly only like 20 pages thus far. It's been a crazy week, but I'm really excited to get into it more. No, that sounds so fascinating. And that's something that I feel like I've been a lot more cognizant of when I started the podcast too, was just how I verbalize things. And 
and how it may come off to other people. And am I explaining something correctly? Or just listening back to myself when I'm editing, I'm like, wow, you repeated that same phrase three times, you know, in a matter of two minutes, Carly. Yeah, what are you doing? And, <laughs> and so just little things like that. No, I think that's really interesting. Okay, but you have the balance. You're also rewatching How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, it's much worse on a rewatch. I'm sorry to say, but like... Oh, really? Not, it's not a show to binge. Sometimes I'll put something on in the background of when I'm working, depending on how crazy work is. Like I can watch mm-hmm. something that I've watched before because it won't distract me too much. There's just yeah. like a ton of continuity errors. And so you don't notice it. Oh. Like the first time I watched it, you know, you wait a week between episodes, that sort of thing. Um, but when you watch them back to back, it's like, whoa, 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 four episodes ago, you said this, and now you're saying this. So I, it hasn't aged that well for me. But that's for me personally, still yeah. enjoying it. It's a good brain break. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good like 30 minute, like 25 minute show. I mm-hmm. feel like sometimes you just need that little like, as you said, brain break. Yeah. And then, and then to jump back into it. There's so many good shows out there, but they're all like an hour long. And I'm like, I can't. Right. You know, if I sit here, I can't sit here for a whole hour and do this. Yeah. So, um, okay. Next question. Awesome. Are there any products that you're loving or like for yourself or scout at the moment? Dog things, people things, whatever. We still love our polar rings. This has become a bit of a joke because I have, I feel like I've started a polar club on dog Instagram now. Um, <laughs> they're just a really great tug toy. Scout loves tug. We can tug with them and we can fetch with them. And they're really easy on my hands. Um, mm. Rheumatoid disease runs in my family. Sometimes my joints bother me even at 24. And so having something that's really easy to hold with like a loose grip is just awesome. So I will talk about those for ever and ever and ever. Uh, they, they make, both of our days better. <laughs> so do you mainly play tug with it? Or can you like throw it like a Frisbee or? It doesn't quite fly like a Frisbee, but it has a really nice roll. So it just depends on how you toss it. You can throw it like a Frisbee. Um, it just won't go quite as far. Or you can do like an underhand and then get a nice roll on the end. So kind of depends on where we are. But I like that we can switch back and forth so easily. Whereas like we also have a sheepskin tug that we love. But like, we're not fetching with that, like one gust of wind mm. and it, you know, it just doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. All right. So the pull toy. Yeah. For, I'll, tr- I'll try to add a link for that in the show notes for anyone who's curious of what cool. that is. Um, or I'll, yeah, I'll probably share a picture of you with it on, on the <laughs> stories or something too. Because uh, you have several. lots of pictures. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think there's more than one of me wearing it as a hat. So that exists on the internet. <laughs> Perfect. It's so multifunctional. <laughs> Fetch, pull, hat. It's great. Everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Okay. Any other products? Is that Not the main too one? Many. Yeah. Pretty much sums it up. Okay. All right. Let's talk more about Scout. Cool. Now. Okay. What is her favorite food or like Whatever top Shana's favorite eating. foods? Whatever oh, Sean okay. is eating. Yep. But um, not you. Sean more than me. Sean spoils her a little more. I mean, she begs to both of us. I don't care about begging. I, I sometimes reinforce it. I've taught her to do a really cute little chin rest when we have something that she really wants. Um, so like, it's not an issue. Um, but yeah, like she does not like carrots. If you give her a carrot, she will like take two, two chomps and leave it on the ground. But if Sean mm-hmm. is eating carrots, she will scarf them right down. So whatever he has is the best thing in the world. Is the best thing. Okay. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Smart girl. Um, I feel like my dogs do the same thing with uh, with my husband. They're like, they like will each have a bowl of popcorn and they will mm-hmm. only go to him and they'll like be crazy <laughs> while he, he's eating his popcorn. And then when it's done, I'll still have like, I'll still be eating mine and the dogs will go lay down. That's and hilarious. I, I don't know why it is because it's not like I've ever... Like, I don't think I've ever been like, no, you can't have it to mine or like anything like that. I don't think I've actually ever created a boundary like with my food. It's just maybe he just eats like more delicious food than me. Probably. They're probably like, ugh, mom eats salads. (laughs) And Mike's always Uh, eating pizza. (laughs) One too many um, spinach leaves. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, we've been, (laughs) we've been down that road too many times. We've been crossed. (laughs) Um, Okay. What is Scout's favorite toy? Her favorite toy is this really old Starmark Durafoam Frisbee that's like almost a year and a half old now and super torn up and does not fly straight. And 
if that is in the toy mix and we ask her if she wants to play, she goes to it first every time. It's like her favorite thing. Interesting. Do you think it's like a texture or something? Or is it like something like a memory attached to it? I don't know. I think she likes the texture. Um, She likes the sort of foamy things. It is one of the first toys that we like really started playing in public with and like got her to play with at the beach and like play outside of the home environment has been a really long journey for us. Um, So my nostalgic sentimental side is like, oh my gosh, like it's such a special toy. To be totally honest, I think she likes the texture. Um, But she also, her old favorite toy that is currently on our roof because Sean threw it up there and we don't care enough about it to get it down. Uh, That makes me sound really mean because it was her favorite, but she dug it up. When we moved into our house, someone who lived here before us must have had dogs. And she digs this pink Petco plastic Frisbee out from the (laughs) dirt. It already had like a big crack in it. And for the few months before it finally got stuck on the roof, that was above all else her favorite. By the end, there were like two or three holes in it, like a whole crack. I was shocked it threw it all. It was just, you know, it was barely a piece of plastic anymore. Um, So yeah, she is... She's interesting, so- but I think it's a texture thing mostly. Okay. That's so funny. I'm just, you told that story and I'm literally like, oh my God, she dug up some other dog's like grave. And oh no, oh no. <laughs> like they probably like buried their other dog with the frisbee. And she's over here like, that's mine. Uh, she did also find a collar, which was super weird. We hadn't quite moved in yet. And I was really working yeah. hard on cooperative play. Like fetch wasn't something that was happening regularly. And we're out in the yard, like, I can't remember what we were doing, just checking something outside. And all of a sudden, she runs up to me with this piece of black fabric. And I was like, what the heck is this? Like, where yeah. where did you get this? We didn't even bring your toys over here tonight. Dog collar. She just found a dog collar in the yard. And then that was her favorite toy for like two days. So I just, I don't understand. <laughs> Good for her. <laughs> She's just finding all the goods in the yard. Oh. Um Okay, more about and uh, more about Scout here. So, yeah. I was I didn't know how to phrase this question at first. I put like Alpha versus Beta, like which one she is, but I didn't want it to make sa- it sound like I'm like support the whole like oh you have to be the Alpha over your dog <laughs> like ideology about training or anything. But that's kind of what I like. Like, is she more of like the dominant or is she more submissive? I guess of her personality, she is so submissive like i have never seen a stubborn or dominant bone in her body (laughs) okay that's that's what i was wondering because since she's a healer i feel like a lot of times that like hurting breeds can sometimes be a little a little bit more like they're so smart and a little bit more like dominant i guess and so that's why i was wondering about her because like my dog lupin he's like the most submissive with other dogs like at the dog park they're coming up to him and like knocking him over and like you know, humping him and he's just like, do, do, do. And my other dog, Albus, would not stand for that. He'd be like, you want to go, bro? I'm the boss. And so, yeah, so that's why I was wondering. Okay. Does she like people or dogs more? Definitely people, yeah. She's still pretty afraid of other dogs in general. Um, little timid with people if they come on strong, but she's never met a person who she didn't warm up to really quickly. And is she clingy or independent? Veers towards clingy. She's gotten way more independent lately, which I'm super, super proud of. Um, But yeah, generally, she wants to be where we are. Where you are. Okay, okay. I just love learning the different personalities of different dogs. It's lots of fun. Yeah, I probably should have asked this earlier. How did you... When did you get her? Like, how long ago? And did you adopt her or all that? Um, It was January of 2019. So I was 21 and had graduated college the spring previously. And I knew I wanted a dog of my own, but I wasn't actively looking like I picked a dog friendly apartment on purpose, but I wasn't, you know, going out and doing a bunch of research. Um, I was visiting my family's hometown for Christmas, we dropped off some Christmas donations at the shelter. It's a yearly tradition. I saw her through (laughs) Um, her her shelter kennel wire and I set I sent my fiance a snapshot that said in all capital letters I need him because I thought she was a boy. Um, yeah, everyone, everyone thinks she's a boy at first. I can't even be mad because I did the exact same thing. Um, so that's like the really corny story is like I saw her and was like oh my gosh I love you. Um, yeah, 
And yeah, ended up getting her in a visiting room, hanging out with her. She came in as a stray. She was found the day before Thanksgiving. No one ever looked for her. So our best guess is Mm -hmm. that maybe someone was traveling and she got away from them. They think she was Mm -hmm. between a year and two years. So pretty young, but not a puppy anymore. Um, And she, she, in a lot of ways, was what I was looking for. I've always been really drawn to the the fearful dogs. Um, My family is husky reminded me a lot of her or the other way around she reminded me a lot of my family's husky they're both these high energy driven breeds but they are individual examples of the breed who are pretty scared and you know were a little shut down um i was really really drawn to that and seeing her grow so yeah stray maybe two-ish years had her for two and a half years now um coming up on three that sums it up. So did you get her with your fiance or was it like she was your dog? She was my dog. Um, okay. I had been dating Sean for like four or five months when I got her, but we didn't live together. I had another roommate um, who I had lived with previously in college. And yeah, we actually had a really tough conversation, but I picked her up um, on a weekend and the weekend before we were at his parents' house visiting and hanging out. And, you know, a couple months in, really, really liked him, wanted to know where this would go. And, and he had never had a dog. He wasn't a dog person. He was pretty uncomfortable mm. around dogs. Like it wasn't just like, oh, I've never had a family dog. It was an active, like, I don't see the hype about dogs. I don't really like dogs. Um, so yeah. I asked him, I was like, what if you don't like having a dog around? Like what, what if you don't like that? And he just looked at me and he said, then we break up. And I was like, that sounds so <laughs> harsh. Like, it sounds so harsh to tell the story, right? And yeah. I, I was crying and he was crying. It was a really hard conversation. Uh, but, but honestly, like all joking aside about how harsh it seems or how, you know, how harsh it felt in the moment, that was huge conversation for us and really important to have because the reality was I was committing to scout. I was committing to this dog. I had no interest in living without a dog. None. I knew I wanted a dog. That was a deal breaker for me. And if living with a dog was a deal breaker for him in the opposite direction, then we had to know that. Um, so yeah. suffice to say, she was very much my dog, but he warmed up to her so quickly and she's a hundred percent ours now. He adores yeah. her. Um, I just made sure not to pressure him like I did. All of the feeding, all of the training, everything, whenever he interacted with her for like the first year, it was completely because he wanted to um, make mm-hmm. sure there was no pressure so that he didn't feel like he was, you know, getting conned into something he didn't agree to. Yeah. Okay. What I love the most about this story is how you really just like set the tone of like, look, Scout is a priority over you like, from day one <laughs> to him. <laughs> Like, like, it wasn't one of those things where, like, this is what happened with my dog. Like, I was with uh, my now husband, like, already, and we got the dog together. And then slowly it was like, okay, now I love the dog more than you, and you need to be okay with it. But it's like, no, you said it, like, from the beginning. You're like, just so you know, this is where you stand. (laughs) I love it. It was honestly good timing, because I'd been with him long enough that we had a really good rapport, and we really cared about each other. But... You know, we were 21. We've been dating for five months. I have a pretty messy relationship history. And so we, I think that there, it it was easier to set that right up front because there wasn't as much pressure. Like as much as I loved him and wanted to dream about being with him forever. And like, I'm so happy we're getting married, you know, next year. Yeah. um, At the time it was, yeah, the, the timing was just good. It was easier to be realistic about like, okay, I'm committing to this dog and like, I need to stand by her unless something really crazy happens. Um, yeah. And so we, we've got to talk about this now because like, this is my life now. I'm, I'm living with a dog. <laughs> and you like <laughs> didn't even have her yet. You're like, I'm getting her tomorrow. But just so you know, this is my uh, life now. And yeah, uh, I love that. Um, that was like all of my questions about the background of you and Scout. But what I really, really wanted to talk to you about and what you share a lot on your Instagram is playing with your dog. And so what I really liked about your story and Scout is that how she was very fearful, as you said, and then you kind of like cultivated a relationship with her through play. And 
that's very similar to what I did with my dog Lupin because he was extremely fearful when I first got him. He's now like 11 years old and we've had him for over seven years. So he's He's moved on past that. <laughs> but for the first couple of years, it was like we really focused, like I bonded with him. I would like wrestle with him and I would just focus so much on things he enjoyed doing. And we would do that together. And I Ooh. think it really brought him out of his shell and then made him trust us as well. So um, as I said, you're a big advocate for playing with your dog. Like, what is what does that mean, I guess, to you? You kind of talk about, like, cooperative play and everything. If you could kind of define that. Yeah. So, to me, the biggest definition of playing with my dog is just interacting with her socially as a fellow creature um, and, and not in a transactional way. So, I love what you just said about your story with your dog because, honestly, you did that way better than me if that's something you started right away. In the beginning with Scout... I, you know, I hand fed from day one, I started learning about training, I really wanted to do right by her. Um, and then her, she was attacked by another dog, she had already been afraid of them, her reactivity started showing, it was just kind of this whole mess. And mm-hmm. things were really transactional, and we didn't have very much fun together, like sometimes, but even the fun that we had together was focused on like, I have food, and you're working for the food, and I'm having fun because yeah. I taught you something. And now I feel good that I taught you something. It wasn't like this, we're sharing this relationship. Um, I mean, there were moments of that. I'm not trying, I'm not saying it was awful. I wasn't like a drill sergeant or anything, but it was very transactional, um, more so than social. So most things we did together, it included some form of leverage. Um, mm-hmm. So what, what playing with her really means to me now is just interacting with her without any other agenda on the table. Um, like I love how you phrased like finding what your dog liked and spending time doing that. I think that's huge. Um, so mm-hmm. our two favorite ways to play right now are tug. That's her all time favorite. She loves it so, so, so much. I actually prefer mm-hmm. fetch. Um, but we, we meet in the middle a lot. And so tug is competitive. So if you think about okay. the fact, um, so I, I guess I should preface by saying, in my mind, all play is cooperative in a sense because you are agreeing to play a game with each other. So okay. Sean once um, Sean played volleyball in high school, and we used this analogy once, where when you like when your volleyball team and your opponent's volleyball team agree to meet at one of your schools at a designated time and follow rules so that a game can happen, you're cooperating to make the game occur in the first mm. place. Um, okay. But once the game starts you're competing with each other. So there's like baseline cooperation to set it up. But then, you know, once the game is going, you are, you are competing. You are trying to make sure that their team cannot get that ball back over the net. And that's how tug (laughs) is where we're in it together. We're choosing to engage. There's a cooperative element, um, but, but we're fighting, we're fighting for possession of the toy. And that's where the strategy comes in and all of that. Whereas a cooperative game like fetch is just cooperative the whole way through. We're on the same team there's no conflict of possession. She brings the toy to me and says, please, please, please throw it again. We have the same end goal. Um, so that's like being, you know, on the same team in that volleyball game where all of that aligns. And that, that was what was helpful for me. Um, for a while, I like, did not understand the difference between cooperative and competitive play. And I was like, isn't it all cooperative? Like we're playing. Like I feel like we're cooperating. Uh, and that's, yeah. tr- that's true. It's just, you know... In the it, the narrowed down context of the game that you're actually playing, whether or not that is cooperative or competitive. Okay, so how did you make? How do you transition from a kind of that transactional relationship, like you were saying before, to yeah. the cooperative play with Scout? Like, what what brought upon the change, really? Oh, that is a great question. I will do my best. I will apologize in advance. I have no idea how to be concise. Anyone who's been to our Instagram knows that. I hit the character limit every post. Don't worry. Everyone who's listening knows already because I (laughs) I mean, I have a podcast. I love to just go on tangents and talk. So feel Uh, free. (laughs) I can't help myself, especially when it's another dog person. Like I'm home, you know, I can can just keep talking. Yeah. Um, Anyway. Yeah. It's been a long process. I think one of the biggest things was that we still weren't where I wanted to be with her behavior. We continued to make reactivity progress. I mean, from the second that we started working on it, we made some types of progress. Um, but 
mm-hmm. you know, that there's the idea that all progress is good progress, like absolutely celebrate the small progress, but there's a chance that what you're doing to make small progress isn't as effective as something else you could do that would make bigger progress. Um, and yeah. a lot of it came down to just not feeling like I was enjoying her that much. And if I was feeling that way, I'm sure she was feeling that way. And I was so stressed and I was always worried about if I had enough food on me and would you even take food in this environment? Because, you know, even less than a year and a half ago, first time in a new environment, she wouldn't take any food, just kind of wouldn't pay attention to me. was really overstimulated, overwhelmed. Um, Yeah. So started trying to play more. We played from the beginning, like I thought we were playing and we sort of were, I don't want to totally demerit what we were doing. Um, but it was all very transactional still. So it was like, you like this ball. I'm going to make you sit and then lie down and then I'll throw the ball. And when you bring it back, you're going to have to do five more things to get the ball, which has Mm -hmm. elements of play and like using a toy as reward in it. But as you can see, there's still a lot of, leverage happening there like that's a transaction um which is fine to be clear like there are moments we need to have transactions with our dogs i am not knocking that i always want to be really clear about that um i just didn't want that to be the primary thing in our relationship anymore and the more i started Mm -hmm. learning about play talking to different trainers consuming some more content purchasing some videos i felt like oh my gosh this could be the missing link for your confidence like making these things a game um yeah so it was a slow messy transition and you know we like I, I still use food we definitely still have our transactional moments again not at all saying that that like doesn't occur ever but we spend a lot more time now we spend chunks of time where there is no goal except enjoying each other in the context of a game and like i'm not asking for anything from you you're not asking for anything from me we are just enjoying this moment as fellow creatures. And and that's my favorite thing now. Oh, I love that. Okay. So I like how I like the um, the how you kind of realized that your relationship that you weren't getting a lot out of the relationship. It was just as you said, transactional and she didn't seem like she was enjoying it. And you were like, this isn't fun either. Yeah. <laughs> just constantly like, giving her commands. I get that. No, I totally get that. And um, I no, I think that's just so interesting how you recognized it. And then you're like, okay, what, how do I shift? Or like, how do I kind of evolve really as a dog mom? And I think that's very impressive considering you were, you know, 21, 22 and a first time dog mom, you know, <laughs> and the, on your own and everything. I think that's really awesome. Um, okay, so now on your Instagram, you do advocate, I mean, you talk about like enrichment and training and but like playing with your dog is one of your main topics as well. So how did the Instagram like come about and evolve along with it? Like, how did you start to learn the terms to talk about this stuff and like preach it to others? Great, great question. Um, So initially, the Instagram started the same way that I think a lot of dog Instagrams start where I had just adopted Scout. I was really interested in training when my family adopted our Siberian Husky a few years prior to that. I got more invested in training, um, but I didn't live with her full time. So I knew that when I got my own dog full time, I wanted to train. I was really excited about being, you know, a responsible owner and a good species ambassador. Like I was so excited Mm -hmm. about these things. Um, And I knew I wanted to share a lot about my dog. And I also knew that, you know, all of my acquaintances from high school on Facebook and Instagram probably didn't want to see three posts about my dog each day. Um, (laughs) So, so that's, you know, that's where channeling it into an Instagram came from just like a place to share about her freely without pissing anyone in my real life off because this way folks opt in. Like if someone from high school wanted to see my dog, they could follow, but I wasn't subjecting them to it just like as they're scrolling through their personal Facebook. And then over That's so time- nice of you. I feel like no one does that. Everyone just posts dogs, pictures of their dogs like all the time. I mean, if you go to my personal Instagram, it is also mostly Scout, but it's a frequency thing where it's like, I, if I only post once or twice a month on that account, it's okay if it's all Scout. But if I was going to be doing yeah. that every single day, every day, um, it just, yeah, it just felt yeah. nice to like compartmentalize it. And then I had had some really positive experiences 
with other people on social media, actually, when my family adopted my husky. Um, I certainly do not recommend getting intense training advice for free on a Facebook or Instagram forum. Like, very, don't recommend mm-hmm. that. Um, be, be responsible, think critically. But I do think those can be great opportunities to start conversations and get your, you know, your toes dipped in the water. Yeah. I think there is some great free content out there. There are people doing really cool things with their dogs. And so I had this in the back of my mind that, you know, like a, two or three accounts right now are coming to mind in particular who just inspired me so much even before I had Scout. Um, and I like that idea of connecting. And over time, it's just really surprised me with, with how it's grown, to be honest. Like, I never really thought through much of what I was saying. I just shared about Scout. It wasn't a big, scary thing. It was like just my journal, you know? And if people yeah. wanted to follow along, they could. I'd say within the last year, I've gotten more intentional about what I'm saying and why and trying to understand what it means to have any sort of audience. I mean, you know, even yeah. if an audience isn't huge, I think it's important to consider the quote unquote influence we might inadvertently have. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just evolved as I've learned more about training. And I kind of like this sweet spot where I'm not a professional trainer. and I don't want I don't want to be like that is not a goal yeah. for me. I don't really have interest in the hands-on stuff. Like I'm excited to start volunteering at our shelter. I love walking friends and neighbors' dogs when I get the chance, but like that doesn't fill my cup the same way as yeah. writing does. Um, and I, I like this sweet spot of, you know, just being an owner and mostly connecting with other owners, but getting to weave in, like, how do I put it? When I first got my family's Husky, or even when I first got Scout, I was so overwhelmed by the dog training world. Like, Mm -hmm. scary place, lots of strong opinions, lots of terminology that you're just expected to know what it means. And it's like super unproductive, super hard to wade through. Um, So I feel like one of my goals now that I've started thinking more critically about what it actually means to have some sort of voice in this environment is how can I empower the past Haley is to feel like they can have a place in this conversation and like they can do things with their dog. And, you know, even if they don't have significant behavioral issues, or even if they aren't that interested in training, like not every dog owner is super nerdy about training and like, that's okay. Like, you know, that needs to be something that is okay. Um, So super, super long winded answer started as like a little journal just to post photos of her nerd out, out about training ended up really liking the community aspect. I've learned a lot of great things from people I've met. I've connected with trainers. I mean, I found Jay Jack initially, like through some Instagram and Facebook things. And then just turning into seeing where those connections can go. Like sometimes people message me that they played with their dog today because of me. And I'm just like, wait, like, that's so cool. Like you and your dog were happy. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. No, I, I'm totally resonating with everything that you're saying right now, because that's totally, that's definitely how I am as well. As far as personally, I'm, I was very, and still am a little overwhelmed by the training community. And I, I just focused, like when I first got my dog Lupin, I just focused on like creating a bond and like building trust with him. And cause he was very fearful of people, not other dogs. And so, um, and so he was, or, and just being in like an environment with people, he was kind of like a hoarding case out like on a farm. So he, he knew other dogs, he loved other dogs, but he had never like been walked on a leash or knew what a vacuum was and like things like that. So, so I was always just focused on that, but I was not focused on training whatsoever. And, and then it would be like this thing that he slowly turned into like, you know, a quote unquote, normal dog. (laughs) And then people were like, Oh, he doesn't know how to sit or lay down or whatever. I'm like, well, he knows what he needs to, to get by in our lifestyle. And that's fine. And And so I would always feel so guilty, though. I'm like, Oh, my gosh. And I did an episode kind of on this topic a while ago is called, um, it was like, don't let dogstagram dictate what you should train your dog or something like that. Because yeah. there's so much out there also that's like, you need to train this way or, you know, positive reinforcement versus balance versus this versus, you know, like, it's just like all this stuff. And, you know, you uh-huh. hear these amazing dogs 
that know like a hundred tricks and you're like, oh, yeah. cool. My dog, I'm like really happy when he sits and lays down and then I give him a treat and then we're good. And <laughs> so, yeah. Or same thing, like you had a post a while ago about, um, and you kind of mentioned it earlier, like when scouts uh, like begging at the dinner table or something and you like are okay with it as long yeah. as she does it in a certain way. But then you can still like train her to not do it like in a situation where that's not okay or something like if you're at another yeah. person's house or whatever. And I was like, yes, that's like, like I'm fine. My dog Lupin, he's very tall. So he rests his head on the table and just stands there <laughs> with his head just and just kind of like sits. And I'm like, you know what? You're not being annoying. You're just sitting there. Like you're just, I mean, you're staring at us and you're getting a little jewel on the table, but like, I don't like, I'm like, that's fine. You know, yeah. you're not causing problems and i yeah i really like what you're saying about that just like making your dog like fit your lifestyle kind of yeah oh you have you hit on probably the thing i'm most passionate about like that that exact idea like you know i I mentioned earlier that when i first got scout i was really obsessed with this idea of like being responsible and a good ambassador and i still care about those things a lot like don't get me wrong public respect is a huge value of mine But in order to do right by Scout, I had to let go of some of the societal ideas of what a good dog is that are just arbitrary. Like, that's so Mm -hmm. arbitrary. Also, we have a ton of different breeds. We have a ton of different background experiences. We cannot expect all dogs to be good in one, you know, specific way across everything. Um, Yeah. and, And that's just been huge. Like, you know, even I, I still fall prey to it. I have two of my best college friends just got a puppy. He is the cutest puppy in the whole world. I love him so much. I haven't even gotten to meet him yet. I'm obsessed with him. Um, and he <laughs> he learned how to roll over like super quickly. And literally yeah. t- today, like this morning, I was thinking to myself, like, Scout doesn't know roll over. The few times I've tried to teach her, like she's kind of spazzy and doesn't really get it. And like her body awareness is weird and she gets uncomfortable. And oh my gosh, like, you know, their, their puppy learned it so fast. Like, he's so much better. Would would Scout be better with them? Am I a bad, like, <laughs> like starting to spiral, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And then I just had to, I had to back up and remind myself, like, whoa, 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 calm down. Every dog is different. Different things come easily to different dogs. Every owner is different. Every environment is different. And, like, Scout lives a kick-ass life in mine and Sean's lifestyle. She might yeah. not do well if some random person on dog Instagram fit her into their lifestyle and, and vice versa. Like I have friends on dog Instagram whose dogs I love so much from afar. And like, I might hate them if they lived in my house. That's strong. I don't, I could, <laughs> I, could, I could never hate a dog. Like they're dogs. They're great. Um, but you know what I mean? Like I, but yeah, I've molded her to my life because that's where she needs to live. And then we, we create, things we can fall back on if needed. So like I do prioritize her obedience because we like to take her lots of places. And if needed, I can put her on place or ask her for a down or do something to get her through a situation that she usually isn't prepared for. When Sean's family is here and they're a little more uncomfortable with dogs, I put her on place while we eat so that she doesn't beg, even though I'm okay with begging because, you know, Sean's mom isn't really okay with begging. And and to me, Mm -hmm. that's the perfect compromise. If, 98% 98% of your life, it's just me and Sean eating around you, and we don't care if you beg, then by all means, girl, come beg. Mm-hmm. And, and so we optimize by default for what is our life most often. And then, we, you know, like I said, we have those fallbacks up our sleeve for the 2% of the time that she can't be begging. Cool. Now you're on place. Yeah. Like, works out. I feel like what you're saying about how your Instagram evolved and what you're putting out there into the world of like, I'm not a dog trainer, but I'm a dog mom, dog parent, and this is what works for us. I totally agree with you that there is such value in that because that's kind of what I'm doing with the podcast as well. It's like I have a lot of experience, but still dog mom. And um and I feel like the best thing about that is you can really, like, as a dog parent, you can pick and choose what's right for your dog. So I was yeah. looking at your Instagram the other day and I was, and I saw that you have, um, it's like the like command where she like sits in the middle of your legs or like yeah. stands. Yeah, middle. Yeah. Yeah, middle. And so I started doing that with Albie. I started like, cause we'll do like a little 10 minute training session, usually because 
my dog Lupin takes a long time to eat his food and um, because he's old and he has like bad teeth. And so I like do a little training with Albie to like distract him. And um, and I started instituting. I was like, oh, that's like a. I was like, I don't care if he spins or rolls over or like jumps on my back or like, though, that's cool. Oh, yeah. But I'm like, whatever. And but I was like middle. I was like, ooh, that's that's a really good command that I know I could use because we do bring him to like bars and or just like to local coffee shop and just to have him stand there in between your legs in like this like it's almost like a place while you're in a social situation. And I loved that. So I like the idea that you can pick and choose what's right for your dog and what's right for your lifestyle. So to kind of like round that out, you mentioned that you go a lot of places with Scout. So what what are like the top things that you think are really useful if people do want to go out and about with their dog more? Like you mentioned like pretty strong obedience and stuff like that. Well, this is a great question. Um, It is really hard to get me to say what I think other people should do because there's so many variables, but I will, I will do my best. What's been useful Uh, for you and Scout? Yeah. I'm going to kind of divide this into two categories that are helpful for me. Take them or leave them as you will. Um, for Scout, most of her obedience started because she was so fearful and, and reactive. Like her reaction was defensive that mm-hmm. we needed to have incompatible behaviors so that she could, you know, not be a jerk. Um, okay. And, and I don't Love mean that. jerk. Like she, she was scared. She wasn't trying to be a jerk, but to the public eye, yeah. like, you know, if you can't yeah. handle a dog 30 feet away from you at the brewery, you shouldn't be at the brewer, like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So, so in my mind, the obedience was really important because I needed to have that. Like I needed to know if I put you in a downstay, you can hold the downstay so that mm-hmm. I, I could trust her behavior. Um, as time has gone on and I've trusted her more and her confidence has grown and her own self-regulation has improved without me always having to be the one dictating what's going on. Now, like, like the biggest thing I prioritize is just confidence and comfort and general neutrality. So like if I would say if you have a dog who is comfortable around other dogs, comfortable around people, comfortable with those environmental things, like, you know, the different sounds and textures, surfaces, all of that. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I think that it's helpful to have a handful of obedience commands up your sleeve if you need them. Um, you probably won't need them that much. Like, of course, you know, general neutrality, there's a difference between a dog who's comfortable with people and politely walks past them versus who can't help but jump all over them. Um, Like very different situation. But if you have a dog who's pretty confident, then the obedience in my limited personal experience is less important because they're already comfortable. You can already kind of trust them there. Um, mm-hmm. On the other hand, you know, like a dog like Scout, we really relied on that stuff. Like one of the reasons middle is important for us is that if we walk in to an indoor space that like doesn't have a window door, I don't know what's on the other side of that space. I don't know if there's a toddler who's going to see the dog and try to run and grab her. She's always yeah. been fine with kids, but she's, you know, she can be timid. Like that wouldn't be cool. Yeah. I don't know if there's going to be someone, you know, some big tall guy who thinks that he needs to lean over her and make her uncomfortable. I don't know if there's going to be another Mm -hmm. dog there. So a lot of it started out as like necessity, like protection, like necessity to not only keep her well behaved, but also make sure that she felt safe. Um, Mm -hmm. Very long winded answer to say that like, if we're just talking obedience, I love middle. It's like a tactical heel. That's what J Jack calls it. Um, Yeah. You know, you can walk in it just just like a heel, but then basically, like, people ignore a dog between your legs much better than they ignore a dog sitting at heel, and you have that physical barrier in case you need it for for either reason. Like, I can close my knees together to keep Scout in position if she's trying to get out of position. I can also physically use my legs to keep that toddler from running at her if I need to. <laughs> Kick the toddler away. <laughs> I am not taking children. Um, there's a very, there's a very real phenomenon though that if you have your dog sitting in middle, you can think mm-hmm. about where their head roughly is on your body, and most people do not reach out to try to touch your dog without asking because now yes. reaching towards your dog requires reaching towards you know an area that's not that appropriate to reach towards on a stranger. So it is a you know we yes. use that to our advantage. Um, 
Very smart. <laughs> yes, yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So can't can't say enough about middle. Um, heel is great if you're walking longer distances. Um, I, I mean, like in my perfect world, I could exist with just middle. Like walk into the crowded place with her in middle. She's safe. She's not bothering anyone. And then like sit down. Hopefully she settles at liberty or like a downstay. Um, biggest concepts yeah. is just like respect other people's space. Um, mm-hmm. Like Scout never approaches anyone ever unless they have explicitly expressed that they like her too. So like someone yeah. gets down on their hands and knees and says, hello, dog. Then, you know, fine. I will let her walk up to them. Yeah. Um, but if someone doesn't yeah. do that, if they like just look at her and kind of smile, like she, I, I do not let her in their space because I just never know what, you know, what experiences other people come to the table with or if they're, if they're afraid. So if your dog does that naturally, cool. If you need to use obedience to make that happen, then that's also a step along the way. Yeah. No, I love the kind of what you were saying about it was like comfort, confidence and neutrality mm-hmm. in social situations. Absolutely love that because I think that is um, like my dog Lupin, we moved to London with him. And so he was like on the tube every day going to work or on the train. And and it was so great to bring him to so many different places. And it was amazing that the city was so dog friendly. But and I talked about this in one of my early, early episodes with Wolf Dog of London and um and it was kind of like you almost want a dog that doesn't want to go up to every single person and you know like you <laughs> want a dog that's neutral to to like the environment and and still confident yeah. though so yeah i think those like three terms you really really hit it that they need to be like comfortable and relaxed confident yeah. in themselves and their training and confident in you like in that trust within like who they're with and then also just like neutral to the surroundings a bit I love yeah. that. I think that's such a great answer. And um, real, real, real quick. Sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one of the hardest things for me to realize too was whether or not Scout would actually enjoy it. So like there are lots of places mm-hmm. that I could take her and I could use her obedience to get through the situation. And the average person in that environment would be like, wow, what a good dog. And she'd be hating it or she'd be really scared or really uncomfortable. So whenever someone talks to me about like taking their dog places, because we do take Scout a lot, and it's one of the things I'm most proud of. We worked really, really hard to be able to do that. Um, w- one of the first things I always say is, you know, just being honest. Like there are still dozens of places that we could take her, but just because we can doesn't mean we should. And there's no shame in saying I have the skills to train my dog to a level that I could bring them places, but I am still going to choose not to because I know that that wouldn't enrich their life in the way that, you know, I I would hope it would. Um, So like, I love where we can take her now, but there are places I don't ever plan to set foot with her because she'd, she'd suffer through it for me, but she'd hate it. And to me, that's not worth any, you know, anything I would get out of it. Yes, 200%. I love that you added that little addendum because I think, I mean, that's something I've had to go through with Lupin recently as he's gotten older. He's, you know, like he doesn't have really like any significant pain issues or like significant arthritis or hip dysplasia or anything, thankfully. But he's not as comfortable just like laying on the ground anymore or he gets a little bit more antsy being out. Like he's still confident and like neutral and all of those things. But you can tell he's just not enjoying it where he used to. Like when we were in London, he would be like, he knew he was going to work and he was so excited (laughs) and he would find a chicken wing in the gutter, walk into somewhere, you know, like he was like, I love this. And and yeah, so he was like really happy. And then over the last couple years, it's been hard to see him kind of transition to not enjoying being out anymore. And so I've had to make that conscious decision of like, okay, he's not going to enjoy it. Therefore, I'm going to be in the back of my head this whole time. Like, uh, like he's not settling. Why is it like, what's, you know, it like, is he in pain? What is it? What's going on? And just like, he's not enjoying it. We should leave early. And, and so it's just like having to make that decision or the extra hard decision of leaving Lupin at home, but bringing the dog Albie. And then it's like, oh, my old boy is at home and he's like, you know, he's my OG. Oh. And and so it's like making all of that is like, of course, I'm all up in my mind about it. But I think that's a really good addendum there to like add. Um, 
Okay, this is the last question kind of about like training and all of that. Bringing it back to playing with your dog, because I know you have like merch that says play with your dog. And I I love it all. So Uh, if people want to start train, like start playing with their dog more, or start cultivating that type of relationship and like building trust, what are your top tips for like how you and Scout went about it of like, just like how people can start basically? Yeah. Uh, First things first, try to get rid of any and all shame you might have, especially in public environments. And just accept that sometimes to do right by your dog, you've got to look like the weirdest person on the planet. That was so hard for me and so important for Scout Um, and easier for some of us than others. But I I really struggled (laughs) with that. Like I could not keep my own enthusiasm up when trying to play with her in a new environment because I was scanning the environment to make sure that no one was you know, being irresponsible and letting their dog off leash where there were leash laws, or I was, you know, afraid that she wasn't having fun. And so then that made me not have fun. And now I was paying way too much attention to her and being like, Oh, my God, are you having fun? But but like, are you enjoying this? Are you enjoying? Am I enjoying this? Mm -hmm. And it was super unproductive. So yeah, first things first, like, channel your inner kid, Um, play, not with your dog, like, Adults are really bad at playing. J-Jack has a podcast episode on this. Lots of other people have talked about it. People outside of dog training, there's like books on play and learning through play. Um, You know, like think about the last time that you did something that felt like play to you and try to remember that feeling and like bring that into interactions with your dog. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the ways Sean and I play is by putting on music and dancing around super horribly just like in the kitchen or the living room and like laughing and joking and then like that's a form of play and so remembering that feeling um yeah so enthusiasm is super huge and also not forcing it so like this idea that scout is like i i want her to play with me like i'm inviting her to play but she doesn't have to because it's not really a fun game if she feels like it's do this or else That was also Mm -hmm. hard for me, especially just given the history of our relationship. Um, And then if possible, like if you have the resources, if if it's possible for you, um, I would recommend like reading about play or watching some things about play. There are some really, really great resources out there. Um, There's a book on play. You know, we've learned a lot from Jay Jack and Ivan Balabanov and Denise Fenzi has some great resources on play. Um, There's different price points Mm -hmm. for everything. Totally understand you know, that being something that can get in the way. Um, But if it's at all possible, and, you know, someone finds themselves struggling with play, um, it really helped me to watch some of those videos and really evaluate my relationship with Scout um, and Mm -hmm. and have a couple of virtual sessions and and talk it over. Um, But of course, that's not necessary. Like, it's really all about having fun, figuring out what your dog enjoys and kind of, you know, once I started really entering into it, saying, I just want to interact with you like as your teammate, like right now I want to be on your team. Like we're fellow creatures. None of this, like I'm the master and you're the servant. Like I just want to be mm-hmm. enjoying what you enjoy. Um, and that, that sounds so like cliche and cheesy, but it really helped it come more naturally. So yeah. And enthusiasm, yeah. not coming on too strong. If you can check out some resources, definitely try to check out some resources and like just, keep trying new things. Yeah. That's, those are such great tips. I think that I really liked what you said, you know, figuring out what your dog likes and what you like. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I can definitely say, you know, my dog Lupin does not like tug. So if anyone listening and you're like, oh, I'm going to go get that pull toy immediately. See if your dog likes, you know, playing like that. Mm-hmm. You know, Lupin, I would just mirror his behavior because I saw that he would play bow a lot to dogs at the dog park. So I would like play bow to him. <laughs> and we would kind of just like do like a little, he likes to be chased. So I'd be like, I'm going to get you Love and just kind of like chase after him. And, and it was just like, and we do like some like light wrestling in the living room. And that was our play versus Albie. He loves, you know, the, the like, come get this thing from me, like, I'm going to steal the stick and like, come get it, mom, or a little bit of tug or stuff like that. So I think for all the listeners definitely would recommend figuring out what type of play your dog likes as well. And then also, I think just to round out everything that we've talked about, a little like 
advice that I want to give to everyone too is like all of this takes time. So if you just got a dog and you're like, oh, it's been four months. Like I don't like they're stable in the household now. I don't know why that they're not trusting me when we go out and about or something like that. It's like all of this takes so much time. Alby, I mean, I can say personally, like my dog, Albus, we got him a little over a year ago. And he was like one of those easy bomb proof dogs from the beginning. Like he is just he was chill. He walked well on the leash. He was fun. He like, he was like, yes, I want to please you. And like all of those kind of things. But like his comfortability with us was has improved so much more his confidence, his neutrality to the surroundings, all of those things have changed dramatically in the last year that we've had him Yeah, till now that he's like neutral on a walk and stuff. And he was not before like there's another person or dog that would walk by he would immediately like, go to them and be like, Hello. <laughs> and and now he like will check in with me. And that was not even with significant training from us. That was yeah. just like him learning to trust learning to be like, you know, oh, what mom goes and you know, just like things like that, just like having that comfortability and that confidence in the relationship between him and I when I'm out on a walk with him. So just want to tell that to everyone as well. Like, it does take time. Yeah. Do not worry if your dog is not there yet. Um, just even if you do passive training, not even active. It, you'll like you'll get there. So, um, yeah. okay, well, Haley, we have talked about so many amazing things. <laughs> and and I even threw in some like random surprise questions and you feel them all like amazingly. So last question to round it out, since this is the with a dog podcast, yeah. why do you choose life with a dog? Can't really imagine life any other way. That That's the short of it. I grew up with dogs and come from a huge family of animal lovers. And as I've gotten older, there's just something, oh, I'm just going to be a huge walking cliche right now. There's something so magnificent about interacting with another species and feeling like you connect with them and know them and I love people like I love the people in my life don't get me wrong but it it's just other level to feel like I now know Scout and she knows me and she's mm -hmm. just this like sort of wild creature that we co-evolved with you know, thousands and thousands of years ago. And it, it, it just kind of blows my mind, like at an intellectual level, and then also just at a very, very emotional level where it's like, Oh, my goodness, like you're laying your head on my chest, and you trusted me earlier to keep that off leash dog away from you. And like, we don't even speak the same language. Like I can't, yeah. I don't even know what your cognitive processes look like in depth. We still need so much more research on that. Like it just, it's just kind of magical. I just, can't imagine any other way. That that was not a cliche answer at all. That was so good. <laughs> I no, I really, really love that. There's you're so correct about that. I think there's so many ways that humans can communicate with each other and it comes so naturally to us. And I think your answer of saying it's so amazing to connect with a different species and have a relationship with them and communicate in a different mode together yeah. is yeah no that's so cool um, um all right well this has been oh if, if it's okay because yeah. I've, I've already rambled too much uh, can i just say like one disclaimer is sort of ish the right word about all of the play stuff just, i love what you added at the end about it taking time um and i'm a huge advocate of playing with your dog like that is one of my favorite things. And if I could tell every owner to do one thing, it would be that because it's broad enough that I'm not telling you to do something that is like, maybe not right for your individual dog, um, but but it's attainable. But just just to like put all that in perspective, the first time that Scout played outside with me was over a year after I adopted her. The first time she engaged in a game at all um, out of like her familiar home apartment environment. The first time she played with me at like a public space that wasn't a park was a year ago yesterday or the day before. Um, mm -hmm. Takes a ton of time. You know, that was after I had already had her for like a year and a half. Um, and even, even today, like there are so many new environments that I could go get in the car and take her into right now where she would still be scared and overwhelmed and not, not feeling comfortable enough to play. Um, so yeah. that's just always important to me to say that like, I have sort of developed this mantra of like play with your dog and I stand by it a hundred percent. 
Um, but I don't want to like give any illusions that Scout is this perfect, playful dog who's always confident enough to do it or like that we're perfect at it. Like I'm still learning a ton, still, you know, getting professional help, learning from different resources and like 100% I could take her somewhere this afternoon and she something might happen that made her too scared to engage in a game. So just yeah, de- definitely like don't get discouraged about that. She's 50 million times better than she was when I first adopted her, but we're going on three years now. And like girl is still scared of random things that I may not ever fully understand. Um, so yes. different, different journey for everyone. I just feel like that's really important to add. Cause I don't want it to be like, I'm this person who's like, go play with your dog. And like, I'm perfect at it. And look how <laughs> playful scout always is. Cause like there are times where I'll, I'll offer to play and she'll be like, um, no, I'm very concerned about this thing that's happening over there. I'm going to stare at that thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I think that's very well said, completely agree. I mean, that's the thing that I think sometimes it can get too hyped in the dog mom, dog parent world of the, oh my God, I have a dog now. Here's its Instagram. We're taking it to the breweries. We're going, doing all these things. And it's like, there's no shame in the fact that your dog may take a while to get there. And as I talked about with Lupin earlier, maybe that'll change throughout their life, you know? So it's kind of like, it's going to ebb and flow. And yeah, I completely agree. Very well said. Um, Okay, well, we've had an amazing conversation today, Haley. Thank you so much Thank for you. talking about everything with me. Um, if people want to follow you or, you know, connect with you in any way, where can they find you? Yeah, we are Pause and Reflect on Instagram. Um, and then we have a blog at pauseandreflect.blog. And those are, that's where we're most active. That's where you are. Okay, perfect. Well, if you guys want to follow the podcast, it's at with the dog podcast on Instagram and TikTok. And we have new episodes every Wednesday, wherever you listen to podcasts. And we'll see you next week. Thanks again, Haley. Thank you. All content on the With A Dog podcast is for informational and comedic purposes only. It should not replace professional advice, treatment, or diagnosis by a certified veterinarian, trainer, or behaviorist.